Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend Tony. Sort of. I'm sitting with you. You're back at home. Where uh, I don't know how many times have we done this now, Tone? Uh, lately, a lot. Yeah, right. It's like uh, we 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 keep getting separated by COVID. COVID separating us. And for the record, I have yet to have COVID. I don't know how that happened. It's been through my house a few times. It's uh, it's been through Tony's uh Tony's. I just uh, think you're one of the spreaders, dude. You just don't know. <laughs> I very well could be one of the spreaders, and Maybe I, I keep getting it from you. You, you might. <laughs> uh, I certainly. Uh, or, or maybe maybe Tony's faking it altogether, and he's just needing a break. <laughs> <laughs> he, needs a, he needs a Corey break. I get, that. I get that. You know what? Now that I think about it, my wife and daughter. They were the same. Maybe they just needed a quarry break too a couple times. No, I totally get it. But uh, so tone. So um. So yeah. So uh, that 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 third voice that you hear is our guest Travis Parker today. We're gonna get to him in just a sec. But we have a couple big announcements to make before before we do that. Um, we were so. Uh, I think the word is gracious. We were graciously invited back to Hair Love Retreat this year. Um, we're totally and massively excited for that. Um, again, if you uh, you should definitely go to Hair Love University and, and learn about um, everything that Elizabeth Fay is doing in the world. And we will be in Dripping Springs, Texas, at the end of September, the beginning of October. And uh, we're, we're we're back at Hair Love Tone, dude. If it's anything like last year, which I hear it is uh, mm-hmm. every year's. Uh, uh, it just gets better, but it, it, it blew my mind, even though it's a woman's retreat. And as a guy sitting on the sideline and just watching the impact that she has in these women's lives, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was definitely phenomenal. And, you know, I mean, honestly, though, we weren't really even on the side sidelines. It was so cool that how welcoming everyone was when we got there, because, you know, before we got there, I kind of thought like I was like, are they going to like want us there, you know, but. But by us being invited back, I think that, uh, you know, that kind of answers that. Yeah. And and again, I mean, we were in the desert. It was hot. It was 100 degrees every day. No AC. You're sleeping in tents. But to watch people just allow themselves to be vulnerable and just kind of like open up and just receive what the experience was, it was tremendous, man. It was yeah. amazing. It's really cool. I'm, I'm I'm super mega excited to be back. I can't wait to see Elizabeth and all them. And um, just like we did last year, we're going to do a couple of uh, podcasts live from the event. We'll be doing it for Hair Love Radio, but uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll get to uh, put them up um on Hair Industry as well. So definitely keep an eye out on that. Definitely uh, t- uh keep following our our hair our hair industry Instagram, and we'll be posting um about Hair Love Retreat. We'll be doing a lot of that uh, next year, and you know you uh. 
I, I, I just hope that if you're listening to this, that you get the opportunity to spend any time with the unicorn, Miss Elizabeth Fay, because she is a special, special woman. Yes. And speaking yeah, of special... Speaking of special women, we have a special, another special woman in our life named Jesse Klaus, and Jesse uh, actually uh, introduced us to to our guest today. And dude, it took about we had a call a couple of weeks ago um, just to kind of get to know our guest today, and uh, it took about three seconds, and I knew we'd be homies. Yeah, it's funny because you know, like you know, when you meet somebody, <laughs> like right? Yeah, when you meet somebody, and, and you can just kind kind of click, like in. Like he is a homie, right? It's like we've been friends for years. Yeah. That's kind of like what it feels when we have a conversation with this guy. I love it. <laughs> so, so today our guest is uh, Travis Parker. Uh, give Travis Parker uh, a follow on the Instagram. And it's it's Parker with a P, not Parker with a B, which is very confusing <laughs> to me. And I told Travis before we got on air that that like I have to keep going Parker, 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 not Barker, Barker, Barker. So Travis Parker uh, is our guest today. And uh, shall we get into him? Yeah, let's do it, brother. Let's do it. So, Mr. Travis Parker, welcome to your day off, bud. What's up, you guys? It's another day of hanging with you. Uh, I'm so happy to be with my homies. It's that's, that's so cool, right? I mean, like it, that's definitely the way that uh, that we felt. Tony and I talked about it before. Like, just Travis is just he's just like one of our dudes. I can't I can't wait to like meet it up in uh in in, in IR in real life. <laughs> I mean, look at us. The three of us are. We look like we should be homies. I mean, it, it almost looks casted. We look like we should be uh, in a retirement home, I think. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to start a, a cool retirement home that ha- provides education for our hair homies of senior citizens. Oh, I love it, man. I, I, I was thinking maybe and we'll we live could- there. I was thinking maybe we could plan a bank robbery or something or, you know, a bank heist or something. But, you know, another we, cool, yeah, we uh, that's almost as exciting, I, I think. Yeah. Another cool uh, hairdresser that live in the villages, which is a retirement place in Florida, right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. There. Yeah, that's right. We got some. We got some homies there too. That's Look at awesome. these business models just spewing right now. Right. <laughs> we're never going to get to a podcast because all we're going to be talking about is you know how we can. Because uh, when we did when we got off the uh, the phone call a couple of weeks ago, Corey and I was like, "Man, that's a cool dude, man. We could definitely uh, oh, see, see us hanging out with him." Yeah, but no, I was saying the same thing to my my business partner. I was like, I, I had no idea. That, I mean, like, I did know you guys were cool, but I didn't know if it was persona or if it was real. And, and you guys are just genuine. And it's always it's always in this industry. It's always amazing to meet quality people that back up what they say, that do what they say mm-hmm. and are just laid back and humble at the same time. And and uh, yeah, that's why, you know, this this hopefully this podcast will just be that real because you, you guys are that real. Well, Travis, uh, I you're just homies. That. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Um, so Travis, uh, kind of start us off. Where, where are you from? Where are you, where are you calling in from? Or actually, where were you, you know, raised? Um, I'm calling in from San Diego right now, but backing up, uh, 51 years, uh, I was raised in the military. My dad was in the army and we were stationed, uh, all over the U S we were stationed in Korea for a couple minutes, uh, back in the late seventies. And then, um, at 16, my dad retired. And at that point we were up in Monterey um, actually just before he retired, I started cosmetology school. So at 16, I started school. He retired that year. Uh, then I finished up high school in Monterey. We moved off base and I moved to San Diego in 1989, just after that as a hairdresser. So came down here to go to college and see if the hair thing would work out. And, you know, clearly things you know played out as here we are on this conversation about hair. So, that's kind of <laughs> cool, man. You know, I lived yeah, in San Diego. Yeah, I, mean, that's a fast I lived in San Diego in 89. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, uh, I put it in quotation. I was stationed there. I went to boot camp there and I did my A school. 
um, in at, over about, or in Bal- uh, Balboa. In no, no, no. I was at uh, I was on Thirty Second Street. Um, oh, and then and then um, I was I was um, in the Balboa area. I'm um, from yeah. my A school, but yeah, my my boot camp was right there too. It was, it's so crazy. So so I love That's San Diego. Yeah, it's yeah, it's dope. I mean, I was just in uh, Texas and Houston the other day, and and also in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, beautiful places, but, but the weather by contrast, like you, you can really appreciate San Diego when it comes to these sort of extreme moments of weather for sure. Not to mention we got the desert, we got the mountains and we, we of course got the beach. So it's always a great destination for classes with me or right. we got a bunch of superstars down here in the hair world, but then also just for good, good surf and good vacay. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. When you decided you wanted to do, go to hair school, did you pr- present it to your parents and, and how do they react to that? <laughs> I think every one of us has a funny story with this question, right? You know, it's um, my life was super black and white growing up, <clears throat> you know, everybody's dad and mom sort of had the same realities as far as income jobs, uh, the military, you know, as you guys, uh, Corey, you could speak to, you know, the military is, is, is non-biased. Everybody's exactly the same. Um, and you can love that in so many ways. I do love that in so many ways, but to the question, when I started putting color into my life and exploring music and exploring sort of adorning my body with different clothes that I was inspired by my rock stars with, um, that was when my parents started to shit their pants and go, Mm -hmm. Oh, can I cuss? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you can cuss. You're you're fine. Uh, Sorry. Um, you know, that's when they started to go, where have we gone wrong? Like what's the trains derailing and how do we stop it? And then I'm like, yo, I want to go to hair school. And they're like, Oh dude, no. (laughs) And, and, and they, my dad didn't really even know how to process it. Like my dad, you know, he knew military barbers and then, you know, forgive the ignorance at the time, but everybody else in our industry that he knew, if you were a hairdresser, you were gay. And so he was like, what have we done, Suzanne? Like our mm-hmm. son's gay. He's rebelling against, rebelling against us. He's doing drugs. Like, you know, I was really to them falling off the deep end. Um, but to me, it was really just my first opportunity of self-expression. It was my first opportunity of, of figuring out who I was without, you know, the pin associated to the family. Um, it, was, it was really my first journey, my first chapter as a young adult. Um, and became, you know, every chapter thereafter. So yeah, they, they were, I think they're still worried. Like they still don't always know how to connect with me. It's still overwhelming to them. And it, it's still a bit baffling. I think if you ask them what I did, I think they would give you a short answer and, and it would, there would be a bit of a question mark in their face when they were talking about it. <laughs> that's amazing, man. I mean, after yeah. 30 years, you know, that's amazing that, 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 they don't kind of really know what you're up to, you know, and, and, and I'm sure like, I mean, you know, we know the Travis now that, you know, with, with the education and stuff. So, you know, I'm sure your, your, your career has evolved or changed a few times. So, you know, the, probably that answer keeps evolving or question they, they're probably just like, I don't know. I don't know what he's up to. You know, they're like, he's, he's teaching hairdressing or something like that. And <laughs> sure. he works for L'Oreal, I think. Um, <laughs> and they sell hair products. <laughs> you know, like right. it's pretty, it's pretty simple, but, yeah, that's also <clears throat> that's also the beauty of them as humans too. Is their their simplicity is really pure, and there's an innocence about it that that I really 
have grown to love, uh, you know, initially, and, and I think like probably a lot of our hairdressers, you know, my whole journey as a young adult and an adult period was figuring out who I was on the planet without anybody else in my life, you know, them, a wife, you know, whatever, just so I could understand where I stood. And, and that would allow me to find my surroundings and the people to, you know, yeah, be, be immersed with to find a like-mindedness and a sense of comfortability. So I had an ease when I hung out with specific people, but, you know, my parents weren't really easy for me to always hang out with. And, and now I've learned as I went, you know, really opposite of them and complicated my life to no end and went through a million journeys, some good and some horrible, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've found that the simplicity of them is, is in me as well. And, and there's something that I really treasure about that now about just keeping things simple and backing the fuck up and, and keeping the cart behind the horse and, you know, just staying in your lane at times. And I'm not saying that as, as that's what I preach, but, but I, I'm saying that I can appreciate that at, in a sense of me needing balance at times and, and me just slowing my jets as well. So yeah, full circle, you know, at 51 and they're 79 and 80. Um, yeah, I think we, if we choose to, we really start to learn what the compliments are, not just the things that we focus on as negatives in, in relationships. And um, I think yeah. a lot of that comes with just being a little bit more mature uh, or maturing because I have similar feelings about like, you know, I grew up uh, with a single mom, right? And it's funny, my early stages of life, I always blamed her for a situation, even though it wasn't even in her control. But as you get older and you mature, you, you realize that what she was doing is she was providing and doing the best she could to give us uh, a better chance at life. And, and you start appreciating the things that you didn't really necessarily appreciate when you were younger. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think it's just as part of, as we get older that we reflect and, 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 you know, and you appreciate the things that you didn't necessarily appreciate when you were much younger. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that as we get older, we stop looking for what's different between us and we start trying to have compassion and respect for people being themselves. And mm. when we are finally comfortable in our own self inside externally as well, but when we're finally in a place of peace, we have a sense of compassion for where everybody else is at. And for that, in that state, it allows us to really embrace them for who they are. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have the emotional maturity uh, to be able to say that, you know, maybe even 10 years ago, this is something that I've worked on in a sense of having more compassion in my life, period. Um, and it's allowed me to build a bigger tribe. So as I was talking about putting like-minded people around me, you know, having an open mind, I've realized that everybody's my tribe. You know what I mean? It's just me looking at what, you know, is the most complimentary thing. And, and, um, you know, staying with that. Well, my empathy, my, again, I mean, kind of like to, to bring it to bring it full circle again is like, you know, with my journey, I had to walk the walk. Right. So so meaning like I had to be a parent and I had to I had to understand what those struggles were before uh, to to have space for that empathy. Right. Like, like I know that in my heart of hearts, like I've tried as hard as I possibly can to, to give the best life I possibly knew how to my daughter. And I can only assume that that's what my parents did too. And with that assumption is also, uh, it's, there's grace within that assumption as well. Like I had to give them grace where I didn't have it before, because, you know, I think, I think when you are young, 
you know, the camera's only on you. And until you start to use a wide, a wider lens, then um, there's just not the possibility for that understanding. I appreciate that a lot, actually. Yeah, I think it's at parenting, you know, I've got two kids. Parenting for me has, has been the most humbling thing I've ever done in my entire life. It, it's allowed me to find emotional maturity that I didn't have before. It allowed me to, to realize that I was happier serving other people than myself. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it gave me a sense of gratitude and purpose that nothing else had ever punched me in the nose with in such an impactful sense. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I really applaud the, the parental, you know, role. I, I also think that in time we, we were given different devices, right? So I was given different devices than my parents. You were too, Tony, you were too, Corey. Like we live in a different era where we had different information, um, you know, and, and what happens with us as humans is we can either rinse and repeat what parents did, regardless of the contextual realities that we have and the, the tools that we have at our sources, because it's unfamiliar, it's scary to go different. Um, so we just repeat what they've done. Or we say, you know what, fuck, I can improve upon that. And you know what, I can, you know, with my devices and, and with my surroundings contextually, like I can use what has helped me become a better person. And I can aid this young individual in a, in a, you know, in a guideline or a guidebook that helps them to become a stronger person than I've ever been because they have an earlier start now. And, and, and that's the thing I respect about parenting is it expedited sort of my developments as well and forced me to sort of find a sense of selflessness that I, I don't know I, I could have had without kids. No, I, I, I don't I, know I, what, what this has nothing to do with hair, but geez, it's a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the, the number one rule that we live by, Travis, is like the conversation dictates the conversation. <laughs> but but in every sense of selflessness, I mean, look at us in, in the serving role of what you guys do. I mean, you guys selflessly, this has clearly become a business for you and you've understood how to find profitability like we have to in every single business. There's nothing emotional about that at all. But you guys are in a very selfless role in your industry. You bring you know wonderful people to your show and share it with other people that hopefully will inspire them to become one of the greats. And that's such a great thing that you offer, you know, as a hairdresser behind the chair for 35 years, I've had the opportunity, like I said, of serving somebody else, of serving their self-esteem, making them feel beautiful and confident when they step out of my chair. And that's a fucking dope role. Like that's, that is a gift that I have as a hairdresser that we all have that stand behind the chair. Uh, and then you take that into facilitation. That. Yeah. Sorry. Pardon. It's funny that you say that because like, Every week, you know, because Corey and I, we still grind behind the chair every day. We see clients and, and they're like, well, you're, you're not going to quit, are you? And I'm like, no, I, I enjoy my clients so much. And I do enjoy what you were just talking about, how we get to make them feel and, 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 and look beautiful. Um, it, it, it's just something about that that I don't think would ever kind of like go away. You know, it just you enjoy this, this, this making them feel as good as they, they can feel. I think as hairdressers, it's really important for us to keep remembering that everybody wants to feel beautiful. You yeah. know, and the reason that they're sitting in their chairs because they want to feel beautiful. I don't care. I don't care how janked up they really are, you know, but on their <laughs> internal, the reason they're sitting in our chair, the reason that they're sitting in our chairs is because they want to feel beautiful. They want to feel and look beautiful. And that's our job. And to be honest, that's the only reason we have a job. 100%. Well, nobody's ever pissed when they feel good, right? It doesn't make sense. It's the opposite. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're looking in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look sharp. I'm in a bad mood. 
No, nah, that doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, it's it's a derivative or an ingredient that provides us with happiness. And ultimately, we're always trying to find our most happy self. Even in a shit moment, we're, you know, if we can find something that lights us up just a tiny bit, we're going to take it. And so if I can serve that tiny bit, then my God, I've done my job. I've helped somebody close get closer to happiness. And, you know, again, it's, yeah, you can't be mad when you're feeling good. It can't just be doesn't mad work when out. You- I love that, dude. Can't, it's like it's it's the clean car. It's the clean car theory, theory, right? A clean car runs better. Yeah, yeah. Why you know? does that happen? It's true, and it breaks better. It's just uh, well, I guess it runs is part of the, part of the whole situation. Yeah, stopping comes. also helps. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, but definitely, you know, it's like we yeah. when uh, going back to when I was in the Navy, we uh we had our our a captain, and and our captain was like a a a, a clean car runs better so he wanted the ship to be really clean so the ship the ship ran better there were breaks on that but you know whatever it's a whole other story <laughs> so travis so when, when you got out of hair school what took you to san diego that's a good question um it was really easy it was uh it was kind of my parents were willing it was a weird deal my parents were willing to, to give me four hundred dollars a month if i stayed within california lines so if i left california for whatever reason, they weren't going to pay me money. I think they just wanted to keep me close. So San Diego was the furthest I could get away um, from Monterey uh, without leaving the country, literally, um, or the state. And so uh, to, to complement it, my brother lived down here. He was going to college uh, a couple of years before me. And I would come down and visit him and the weather and the women. I was like, okay, yeah. So finished up high school, um, came down here to go to college, did terrible in college. I fell out of college. Uh, but I immediately got a job doing hair and I ended up sticking at the salon that I got a job at when I was 19. Um, I think for thir- oh, thir- 13 years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. 13, maybe 14, close to 14 years. Uh, so one place forever landed in the best nest I could have, um, fell into, you know, just a, a, a room of mentors that, uh, helped me develop right out of the gate. And obviously at the age of 19, I was very young in the industry and, and really didn't know much, much at all. I hadn't had much exposure yet. Um, yeah. So that's what brought me to San Diego. And then I tried to leave a couple of times. Side note, it's just on the moving tip. I tried to leave a couple of times and work in LA two separate times, once in the nineties and, and once in the early two thousands. And uh, LA wasn't my jive. Like I, I, I guess I found what I, I needed in San Diego and I was getting paid and making the money I, I needed here. And so when I went up there, it, it again was, LA is wonderful and it provides everything that LA provides. But, you know, for me, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a place that made me feel grounded. And so, yeah, I tried to live up there twice. Well, did live up there twice. Uh, kept the flat in both San Diego and up there. And then, yeah, each time for about a year and met a bunch of interesting people and some good friends that I still have to, to date, to date. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, San Diego is my home. I've been here now forever. Right. I can't, I can't leave. So right. I've tra- traveled enough, and nothing's better. Because <laughs> Corey and I, we, when we got out of hair school, uh, we ended up with this um, uh, company that's been a had a huge impact of who we are as hairdressers. Um, they, uh, we were there for what twenty years, Corey. So we, I was there we, for I was there for fourteen, and I think you were there for what, like twenty one. Yeah, Dang. so we know what it's like to 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 be somewhere for so long, and they had a just a great impact in who you are as a hairdresser. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, planting your roots in the right garden, you know, just helps you grow. It's uh, that's a, that's a, I like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just, it, it works out, you know what I mean? And, and there's moments where the, the sun doesn't shine, you know, in our garden and, and we have those moments that are our lulls and we have the chance to, to replant or, or not. But I can tell you, you know, for a good solid 10 years of my life, it was in, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Matter of fact, I had, you know, I did coaching calls and I had a girl reach out to me the other day and we were in a chat and she's like, you know, knowing what you know today, you know, how would you play your career differently? And I said, you know what, honestly, I'm a believer of fate. Like I, I wouldn't be here today if, if I tried to change things yesterday. And so, you know, I can't tell you that there is a right direction. All I can tell you is pick yourself up when you fall and, and that's where you're supposed to be. And, and I really really believe that. Like, I, I don't know if there's a right direction because if you guys are anything like me, perseverance still lives in my everyday grit lives in my everyday. And it, it's not easier or harder today. I'm just more patient with it because I'm experienced to realize experience enough to realize that it's just part of development. You know, that's, that's just the reality of it. What, so, so yeah. So you said earlier and you wouldn't change anything, but would you give young Travis advice or what advice would you give young Travis as far as like, yeah, let's leave it there. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give young Trav, uh, the same thing. Uh, I guess I give myself a, a, a short name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give young Trav the same thing. I gave that girl. I said, you know what? I would always do my diligence to the best of my ability to figure out what's going to complement my next decision. And, and upon that, I, I can't flounder and I have to make the choice to move forward. And so I would, I would say that to myself. I would say that to, I say that to everyone, you know what I mean? Do, do what you can. Don't overthink it. Your first choice is generally, you know, going to lead you to your second. It's impossible that it wouldn't. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you do do a, you know, a decent amount of research, you might be more likely to end up in a place that complements your nature more. Mm, I like we've that. talked, yeah, we and we've talked about like, like it's, it was saying it's like to have the servitude kind of mentality. But when did Wait, you, say that again? To, uh, what? Uh, like a servitude type mentality, okay. you know, that, uh -huh. that something that we've talked, we just kind of like just briefed on a little bit early in the conversation. But when did you realize that uh, that you wanted to be an educator or? that you had the gift of, of educating. Um, I, we haven't talked about this that you guys, so this is kind of crazy. Um, you know, my number one phobia, um, kind of like a recovered alcoholic, my number one phobia is still my number one phobia and it's public speaking. Um, you know, I grew up really shy. I was total introvert. My mom was really shy and I learned that I really was just mirroring her um, that I really wasn't an introvert, but it was painted sick uh, across my brain that I was petrified of the world. Uh, needless to say, getting in front of people was the biggest disaster. I would melt. I would get caught in mouth without weed. I would, I would melt. Like I would flounder. I would turn like a ghost. Um, it was my biggest nightmare. And to the point that in college, I, when I failed out of a BA major, I thought, well, maybe I'd get into speech communications because I'm horrible in front of people. And, and with being a hairdresser, I have to get in front of people and I'd like to be more comfortable when I stand in my role on the planet. And I had a lot of anxiousness and, uh, I 
took speech communications on the first day that I had to get up in front of the class. I froze. The teacher asked me to, after 15 minutes running through some exercises, asked me to sit down. Um, I sat down when the bell rang. I never came back to the class. I left and I was like, I'm out. Like I will never ever speak in front of people. It's just not my thing. Um, a good friend of mine, fast forwarding to the mid early to mid nineties, um, reached out to me that was running distribution for Tony and guy TG products in uh, the U S he was based here in San Diego. We used to all party together. And, and uh, one day he's like, Hey, Trav, we're bringing in some teachers, ambassadors for uh Tony and guy, you know, come, come hang out. I think you'd be great at being a teacher. So I was like, no. And basically I think he got me drunk or high enough that I was like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and called me enough names that eventually I caved. And, uh, so I, I went to this day and there was probably 20 people, 20 of us in there and they gave us a script and, and the script was a one through 20 step process on like a blow dry. And I don't recall what the products were that we we're supposed to run queue to queue with and, or point to point with. Uh, but needless to say, we just had to read this script in front of everybody. And basically they were teaching us to teach verbatim, you know, at that level, you know, with Tony and Guy. And so I floundered and I floundered and I tried it, you know, a number of times to the point that finally, like everybody in the room was like feeling bad for me. And, and my buddy's name was Mosin and Mosin uh, was like, Trav, you know, just chill the fuck out. And he said it to me just like that. I'll never forget the moment. So just chill the fuck out. And I'm like looking at him kind of in shock that he says this to me. And he goes, dude, stop. He goes, you blow dry hair every day. You tell your clients what you do every day. Put the paper down and just tell us what you did on this blow dry. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> put the paper down and I told everybody what I did on the blow dry. And, and I sort of just made it up. And everybody clapped and, <clears throat> and applauded and at that moment, it was the epiphany that I needed to have that changed my life. It, it was the epiphany that my role wasn't to be smarter than anybody else in the classroom. That, that wasn't what it is and, and, and what it was. And, and for so long, I always felt like I wasn't the smart guy. You know, I always felt scared of the world and I always felt scared to say something stupid. And when I realized that being in front of people, I was more a storyteller and I was sharing an experience that would enlighten others that hadn't had that experience upon a topic that we were all sitting in the same room together about. I was just a conveyor of, of a message. And, and that took the weight off me at such a heavy level that it allowed me to start to grow. And I'm not saying I was badass after that. Years later, I've become confident speaking in front of an audience of any scale and cameras and whatever else. I've been at it for a minute now. Um, but yeah, for those of us that this does fall upon, you know, the ears of, you know, it's not about us. Once again, just like behind the chair, we're in the business of self-esteem. When I was, and I am the one that's chose to be in front of an audience, it's, it's not about me. They have come to learn something from me. I'm a conveyor of information upon experiences that has allowed me to stand in front of them. And what a privilege, what an honor. And so for me, I don't ever think about it in any other way. Like for me, I can't, it's, it, that's not my purpose, but my purpose is, is that from my failures and even greater, my experiences that have led me to epiphanies from those failures, those are the things that have led me to success that I can share with others. And, and that's allowed me to do it in a way that I'm not a total hot mess to say that I'm not nervous. I was fucking nervous talking to you guys today. Like 
I get nervous about, I'll get nervous about the next thing I do later this week. You know, it, it's just the way it is. I stand in front of my camera and do my little haircut videos for my subscription membership. Um, and I swear I got to do it two or three times just mm -hmm. to start my intro. You know, once I start my intro and I get that intro right, I can just blow through the next hour of, of whatever. But I still get nervous talking to my freaking self in front of a camera. So, yeah, it's, it's what keeps us alive. It's what keeps it real. But understanding what the real role is in it and what complements us allows us to be our best selves and therefore serve what we've been asked to do. Dude, you have no idea how uh, how valuable those words are to me. Because um, uh, if you if you listen to the podcast we did with Sophie, I went I went through my whole um, public speaking uh, uh, trauma. I think is the best way to put it. You know, um, and 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 how I'm trying to work through that, and it, it doesn't come natural to me at all. Um, it, as a matter of fact, I get in my head a lot about it. So you were saying that, like, wow, you, you would never know that, my friend, ever. Never. Well, let me tell you, like, like to talk to you or to talk to Tony on a Zoom call is different, com is completely different, right? It, this is just conversation with some friends. We just happen to push record, you know, and that mm. that's kind of the way that I look at it. It's that I'm Over very recording this. <laughs> yeah, right. I hope so. <laughs> we just we missed out on some gold if we if we didn't. But um, but uh, but this is easy because this is conversation. You know, when you're on stage or when you're in front of people, you know, it, it's it's not a two way conversation. It's a one way conversation. And sometimes I get in my own head about that a little bit. Even when and 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 if you're ever watching Tony and I on stage, if we're interviewing somebody on stage or we're or, or not, uh, Tony always picks up the slack for me because one, I get massive ADD. If anybody walks by, it's like distracting to me and I, and I can't get my thoughts out. Um, so I certainly, when we do live events in front of an audience, I rely heavily on Tony. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> you for that. Um, but yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't come natural to me, but you said that, um, before you do anything, you get a little, you, you know, you get nervous or you get those nerves going. Like, do you have a, uh, other than like uh, getting high or drunk, do you have a, mantra or do you have something that you rely on you know to, to to get you up there just to try to ease those those nerves a little bit yeah it's a good question um i'm not sure if i if i really do i have a habit <laughs> that i know i do every time um without fail uh every time before i'm gonna stand in front of a group um again of any scale or in front of a camera whether i'm shooting myself or i've got a production team shooting me um, I, I take a second and I, I go to the bathroom and I'm not going to the bathroom, but I go to the bathroom and, and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you got this. And I, I guess that is my mantra. You got this. Um, I don't know if I say it exactly like that every time, but, but I, I look at myself and I'm like, you know, bro, you have, you know, what I'm thinking is you have been chose to do this, you know, go serve your role and, and don't, you know, be an asshole and get in your own head. It's not about you. And, and, and that's, that's the moment I take before, you know, I step into anything. And then what I try to always do is distract myself right before I go live. So, um, you know, with you guys laughing before we went live, um, I've become legendary in my own mind for becoming best friends with everybody in a production role. Like I will talk to the mic person, I'll the sound person, I'll talk to the camera guy, I'll talk to you know the dude running cables, I'll talk to anybody that has nothing to do with hair to take my head off what I'm about to go do. Because if I sit there in my own thoughts, I can really start to freak myself out. And then I can start to go, oh shit, did I remember this? Or, oh, I can't forget to say that. Or what was I going to start my first line with? And, mm -hmm. and I start fucking getting, going into like, 
this mode where I'm like a robot that's, you know, like my computer and the, the, the pinwheel is just spinning and spinning and spinning and, uh, and nothing's happening. And so if I can completely just sort of reboot by resetting into a different sort of conversation, then they'll be like, all right, Trav, you're live. And then boom, I just go out and I just start. I love that. You know, you know, the reason that we do the hard uh, beginning, like we do, you know, Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. Um, the reason that we do that is because when we first started the podcast, we had no idea how to start a conversation. Right. So yeah. we would sit there and we go, you learn these things. Yeah. What's the first, the first word is by far the hardest, you know? Uh, so, so Tony and I do that just to get the motor running. And then once we get it, well, two things, one, when we, when we, if you listen to our first two or three podcasts, we never introduce ourselves. And then, um, <laughs> you know, some of our friends who were our best, uh, critiquers at the time was like, nobody knows who you guys are. You need to introduce yourself. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, the, Hey, Hey, my name is Corey and Tony. That was, that was to fill that bit. And then the other thing was just to get the conversation started. Cause the first, again, the first couple of podcasts, we had no clue what the first word was going to be you know and and honestly we don't have anything written now i mean we just go like we did our whole bit about hair love um we just kind of give like a one minute snippet of what our life is up to what our very cool life is up to uh, because of this podcast and then or we talk about COVID a lot for some reason because of tony um, but because <laughs> tony keeps getting it 97 <laughs> times Corey none <laughs> exactly because exactly. yeah. um, he holds on to it in his beard he <laughs> Yeah, COVID's hanging out. Well, keep your face out of my beard, Tony. Molecule right there. <laughs> right. I think he switches the microphone so now I'm all up the head. Like, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. But Corey, just to stabilize what you're what you're saying, what I love about this is first of all the humility that you just had in in, in saying that you know, look, you guys didn't have a script and you had to figure it out along the way. That's what holds so many of us back from that next step is we Preach. think we're supposed to have a script. And there's not a fucking script for that next level. When you're moving into that next phase of your life where you're developing, you're entering, uh, It's it, people say fake it till you make it. You're not faking anything. You just don't know what you're doing yet because you haven't done it before. And not a lot of people have done what you guys have done or to the levels and experiences that I've had. I've, I haven't always had resources to be like, yo, what's step one? <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't know what to always call. And so you just wing it. And then as you, you know, continue to wing it, those wings turn into flight. And then with flight, you start to soar. And then you start to see yourself at elevation. And then you can talk to that. But what so many of us see is us at elevated levels, but not in that ascent that leads us there. Or even the crash that happens in between that nobody is marketing. You know what I mean? Uh, and then we fly back up again. Yeah, you know, so for all of that, that, I just wanted to stabilize. Sorry, Tom, please. No, I'm sorry to cut you off, brother. Uh, but I wanted to, on that note that you just said that, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast as well, because everybody sees everybody at that elevated level, but nobody knows that journey there. And that journey can inspire and help so many other people that are might, might be going, maybe going through some of the same things that you had to go through to get there or, uh, you know, there might be some some wisdom and advice that will help somebody to avoid a mistake or, or something that's going to uh, hinder them from getting to where they need to get to. And so we thought maybe if we can start and share everybody people's stories on how they got to where they are, it would have a big impact and in maybe in the industry that 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 would help a lot of people uh, to achieve their goals. Tony, well, on I, can't that, oh, I can't imagine it hasn't. Uh, on that note, like, you know, it's like the lessons that we've learned, we learned while we were growing wings, right? That's where mm -hmm. the lessons are. Like when you see someone on a stage in front of you or you see someone that, you know, 
that, that you consider as some kind of success. Like you didn't see the lessons that were learned to get there. You didn't see the lessons that were there. Travis, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, the biggest thing that I've two things that I want to acknowledge that before we started the podcast, like everything had to be perfect in order for it to work in my head. And I think that that and I think that that was like that was bound around insecurity. Like my insecurity said that it has to be perfect. That everything has to be systems. Everything has to, you know, and I think that there was a time where um, if you listen to, you know, some of the, the when they came in like a uh, uh, cassette tapes, when you listen to some of the, um, the, the successful business people, like it's all about systems. It's all about systems and you get caught up in that minutia. But, but what I've learned certainly from starting the podcast is that Tony and I had no effing clue what we were doing, you know, and all yeah. we did was leap and we had, but, and the truth is, we had no expectation. And I think sometimes there's grace in that. Like if there's no expectation, you can't fail. You know, oh, you, just, you just leap. And then, you know, if you're going to grow wings, you grow wings. And, and, and every lesson that we learned was in that growth was in that growth process. It's funny. That word is uh, an amazing word. And I've always said that I'm going to write a book on expectations, but it's going to be a short one. It's not going to have any pages in it. Exactly. It'll have one that says, don't have them. You know what I mean? If, if you want to, if you want to fail, set yourself up with a tremendous amount of expectations of yourself and others. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a false set. It's an emotional projection on something. And sometimes you do it with others and you can't control people. So yeah, be gentle yeah. with yourself with expectations. I'm not saying don't set goals, have a sense of integrity and grit for, for sure. Have a backbone. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But, but don't expect anything. Do it. You know what I mean? shut up about it and do it, you know, just make it happen. Um, mm. Sorry, my small tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think, I think oh. we're right on with that. You know, go ahead, Tom. So, no. so how long were you with TG? Not for very long. I worked with them just as an ambassador. Um, probably about a year and a half. Uh, the first time I started working up in LA that I mentioned earlier was when I was also working with Tony and guys. So I was at a salon in San Diego, um, which I was getting quite busy at the time and, you know, doing classes for Tony and guy, which was just orange County in San Diego. Um, and then I was driving up to LA and I was working at a salon called Privé up there. And between the three things going on, I was putting in seven days a week as you know, education falls on the weekends and then split, you know, my salon between the two areas, I was, back and forth and all over the place. Um, I was also married at the time. And so I was trying to, to, to deal with that too. And I was a young kid all at the same time. I was, I think 24 or 25 at the time. And um, yeah, it lasted about a year and a half, I think somewhere right in there. Um, and I can't really tell you, I remember any of the classes that I even did. Um, I mean, I actually just got a couple of memories right now, but none of them were very impactful because I sucked, you know, back to like our, our, the story of our evolution, right? Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I was following some script and that was basically what I was putting my faith upon. And, you know, I was trying to take my ego out of it so I could just focus on teaching and, you know, but yeah, it was short lived simply because I had to give up something at that time and I wasn't ready to give up LA yet. And so I gave up Tony and Guy <clears throat> and then later gave up LA and then later ended up opening my own shop and then later got hired by L'Oreal. And that, that was really the big catalyst that, that helped me with teaching in a massive way. Like that's what changed everything was the, their training for sure. How did you not not the product, but the training. What's that? How did you connect with L'Oreal? Connecting with L'Oreal was another fate thing. <clears throat> and this is the stuff that you can't go and tell people what to do. Um, 
I guess what I could say in this is, you know, don't set up expectations, but, but, but set up relationships. If you're going to, if you're going to choose between mm. two things, you know, build networking, you focus on networking uh, and, and, and instead of the opposite. I was, uh, I was in a place with my old salon where I was needing support with business development. Um, I had opened up the shop, my first shop with everybody being independent contractors uh, as we got busier and busier and busier, we were sort of top of what we could charge in San Diego as far as rent to our independence. And, um, and yet my expenses were getting higher. We had, you know, unforeseen expenses constantly and the busier the salon went or became the more turn and burn there was, the more products we were going through heat, everything was getting more expensive. And so I couldn't figure out how to change the, the business model. And so I reached out to Mosin, my friend, uh, from Tony and guy, uh, ironically, and um, props to him today. And uh, yeah, he had no idea it was going to be in this conversation. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had no idea it was going to be in this conversation. And uh, Mosin hooked me up with this guy um, who was in charge of business development with L'Oreal. And he said, hey, Trav, uh, there's this guy that runs business development for L'Oreal uh, or sales, forgive me, for L'Oreal. He's coming to town. I'm going to have a cocktail with him. Come hang out with us and have a cocktail. And I'm like, all right. And so I met this new buddy or at the time, new buddy, uh, Tony, and, and, um, he was super great and he, we shot the shit, we had whiskey and smoked weed and, and, uh, he gave me all kinds of insight and it was great. And, uh, after I met with him, I started to implement some of the things that he said. And, and I had asked him before we had departed the first time, like, yo, is it cool if I reach out to you from time to time, just to continue asking questions. And he's like, that's my role, bro please reach out to me. And I'm like, okay. When somebody says that shit to me, like I'm in. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I take that. And yeah. so I did. And time to time we started talking more and more. We became kind of bros. And um, he reached out to me maybe about a year later. And he's like, um, Hey, look, this guy, Andrew Bartfield's coming to San Diego for a Naha convention and he's got to talk at it. And I want you to meet him. And I said, um, yeah, who is he? He said, he's the vice president of education for L'Oreal. And I go, fuck off. I'm not, I'm not going to meet the vice president of anything. Like the right. vice president of anything is a very important position. And I'm a small, small, you know, dude. And, um, and he's like, you're such an idiot. And back to my social anxiety and all my fears. Um, finally convinced me to meet him. I dragged my girlfriend into the meeting at the time just to make me feel a bit better. I met Andrew. He was amazing. Um, Andrew's no longer with us uh, at all anymore, um, but what a great soul he was. But yeah, after I met Andrew, I connected with, um, with, with him through periodical phone calls. Um, at the time, I was doing press releases for my salon. And I remember uh, one day I ended up um, getting the information of every division of L'Oreal and the education side of things. And, um, I ended up sending my press kit to every single person there. I FedExed it out. Uh, so it would land on the desk of every single person on that level of the building. And I thought, well, fuck, what have I got to lose? Like, it's an introduction to these people. Things have gone well with Tony and Andrew. Like, what have I got to lose? And so I did it and I got all these new friends from it. And they are, some of them are still friends today. Uh, this is back in probably 2006 and, um, could it have been? Yeah. 2006. And in 2007, I got a call from a gentleman that was the assistant to Andrew Bartfield. And he said, Hey, look, we are launching a new product line for the U S and we've never launched a brand 
out of the U.S. first before launching it out of France, which is their hub in the for the global mass attribute. Right. Uh, we never launched a brand out of the U.S. first, and we want you to be a face behind the brand. And I'm like, fuck you. What? <laughs> like, right. You know, and this was shit to me that I was like, yo, bro, like, no, like I'm the dumb kid. Like, I, I that's not me. And um, and so basically at that place in my life, I had started to learn to say yes, even in its discomfort. And and uh, so I said, yeah. And, and uh, they made up a position for me because they didn't have a job title for that role. And and um, I was I forgot even what it was called. Um, it doesn't it's irrelevant. Sorry, my brain's getting stuck on it. And then um, basically that was right when Facebook was launching as a social media platform as well. So myself as one ambassador, Andrew Bartfield was the educational ambassador as the VP of education. And then this other cat, um, I forgot his name, um, who was this sick ass, like editorial stylist. He did like crazy wigs. And I mean, just like the journal mag type of stuff, like just avant-garde, crazy, amazing stuff. And so I was the salon owner and stylist that was going to relate to the world about, you know, to those people. Andrew was the education person. And then this other guy was, uh, you know, for the fantasy work. And and we were sort of building the branding around this this launch to be like, yo, it takes, you know, you're going to get education from it. You're going to get like real life stylists helping you and the team. And you're going to get avant-garde work to help you for any of your red carpet stuff. And, and that was the birth of our relationship. And that led through different levels of leadership with them. And, you know, I started off fortunately for me at the top. So I never had to sort of work my way up, which was just luck. Um, it was, it, it actually was all just good networking, to be honest. And I basically, I guess, painted a good enough picture where they're like, this guy is somebody, but, but I wasn't, I was just sort of, I, a good image and <laughs> a good press kit, I think. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, that was the beginning. And then all kinds of stuff has led from there. And now I have a completely different role with them today than I used to have, but yeah, it's still intact. You're still with them today. Yeah. I'm independent. Um, I do more production stuff for them now. I have my own production company, so I'm helping them with broadcasting events um, and doing all the lower thirds for different speakers, bringing the speakers into my computer running the whole system uh, in the live broadcasting as- uh, you know, aspects and any sort of graphics or video uh, applications and stuff like that. And then we did a shoot for Karastas not long ago. We shot one of their artists and I brought in my, my videographer and, and we put together a little uh, thing for them with that um, and just ran through the procurement department with L'Oreal. So now we're a preferred vendor um, in the production parts of it for all consumer divisions and all professional divisions of the brand. So yeah, stepping into a more of a production role with them and creative director role and then more of a hosting role. So <laughs> theme of this awesome. conversation today, yeah, it's standing up as a personality uh, to help them with their events and keeping the event going. And yeah. So, so Thomas, when you said that you weren't, I think you just kind of hit on it. Are you working with all the brands that are under the uh, L'Oreal um, umbrella? Yeah. So for the production company, I am. For me with like hosting roles or what I used to be sort of one of the lead cutting directors of the brand. Um, yeah, that was just L'Oreal professional. And so hosting is just for L'Oreal professional. Um, and I guess if I was asked to speak for any of the other brands, I don't think they'd care. I don't think they'd see it as a conflict of interest, but yeah, the production company covers all brands <clears throat> that has no sense of loyalty to the one that is to the, to the mothership and all the brands that fall underneath it. How'd you get into the the production world? 
that's a crazy story too. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that was 2019, 2020, <clears throat> 2020, or excuse me, 2019, I hired a production group to film um, the first pillar of the methodology that I wrote for my cutting curriculum, hairdressing made easy, uh, three different pillars to it, beginner, intermediate, advanced training, cutting course one through three, we call it. Um, we filmed the first pillar with a production group. Um, things went kind of rogue with the whole thing, kind of went to shit and um, spent a lot of money and didn't really end up with anything usable. Um, that led to 2020 happening and me going, shit, I really wish I had all that <laughs> stuff I filmed done because it would really be nice to you know have it out there. And so I ended up getting an EIDL loan. I had saved a bunch of money um, over the last few years to either buy a house or start a new company. Uh, between the EIDL loan um, and that, that cash, I ended up buying enough equipment that I could set my studio up, which I'm behind right now. Um, and, um, and I could start to run some posts on my production as well. So I could actually produce it, but run posts as well. And that led to L'Oreal going, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you're doing all this shit no one else is doing at that level. Like, can you help us? Because if you're working for us, you understand who we are as a brand. If you're with us, you're a hairdresser. So you understand our demographic. If you understand how to film hairdressers, we're filming hairdressers. Like, you're a perfect fit for us. And we don't have to explain to you as a production company who our product is or what our product is, who our audience is, you know, what hairdressers like, what they don't like. Like, you have been immersed in it forever. That's who you are. That's and awesome. so it became this real, like unintended. I didn't, I wasn't trying to do that at all. They totally came to me and were like, yo, like, let's, let's hang out. And I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, that's God. crazy. It's great money. It's, it's crazy. That's, that's I mean, a for what it takes for me to make the money I do as, as a facilitator and educator, as a cutter and all that stuff. It's taken me 35 years of my career to make this much money. Yeah, so right. to easily just bounce over to that side and start charging, you know, day rates that we are for my crew and me and everything. It's bananas how much money there is in that part of the world. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, Travis, it's, it's believe cool. it or not, we just blasted through an hour. I don't know how that happened. Oh, dang. We just blasted through an hour. Um, how can people find you or locate you or or get in touch with you or or, or whatever? Oh, I mean, first of all, both of you guys are so dope. I, I wish we had more time. Um, this was so fun. I can't wait for us to do it again, to be honest. Um, second of all, thank you for putting that out there. Uh, you can find me on IG at Travis Parker Hair or at Travis Parker Academy. Or if you want to learn more about a production company, Travis Parker Productions. Um, on TikTok, it's under Travis Parker Academy. Um, basically, so we're putting everything under one handle right. there. So. But yeah, and then otherwise, travisparker.com is, or travisparkeracademy.com is how you can learn about our academy. Uh, we, have a con we have content and curriculum that we've developed on the methodology of cutting hair. So we have our own ABCs called Cutting Course 1 through 3, as I mentioned. And then we have a subscription uh, that's all trend-based content. We launch two haircuts a month, edited with two cams, and uh, it's all trend-based stuff that me, the messenger, uh, speaking the language and the protocols from our methodology I'm consistently using an application to what's relevant today. So um, 14 cuts in the bucket. We started it back in late April. And, That's um, awesome. Yeah, we're just cracking along with that. So good stuff for Salon trying to build branding and internal sort of communication. 
That is amazing. Tony, we definitely have to get to Southern Cal. We definitely have to visit uh, you because we're it, it, it seems like every uh, every month we meet somebody else from San Diego. So so we're creating a, <laughs> we're we're networking our own San Diego bucket. So we definitely have to get down there and, 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 and pops from salon to salon to salon. Maybe next time we're at ISSC, we can take a couple of days and drive down. That might be pretty dope. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'll come up there, hang out with you guys there and then we'll uh, we'll carpool back. Cool. That that right. sounds like a plan right there, Mr. Travis yeah. Parker. Thanks for hanging out with us. And like I we and uh, to your point, we'll definitely do this. This was such an easy like uh, conversation. We'll we'll definitely do it again. You know, just thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for making time. We know that you're uh, got a bunch of calls and stuff. And thank you very very much for joining us on your day off. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends, give us a rating, and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.